Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you like this podcast, recommend it to some fellow seller friends or maybe friends that are interested in vineyards and wine like me. So this week, um, I'm going to be talking to Haley about her adventures in being a mom and running a wine business. So um, I think that there is going to be a lot of fascinating, funny stories um, for even some of us that aren't parents or winemakers. So I think we can all, you know, have a little enjoyment in this episode and uh, hear those fun stories. So also just... uh... We are going to talk about kids and becoming parents this week. So if it's going to scar you to hear about our my wee little heathens and things like breastfeeding, uh, maybe sign off and skip listening. We don't. We're not going to talk a ton about that kind of stuff, but we are going to talk a little bit about it. So just just a little, you know, <laughs> warning. Okay. So Haley, why did you want to talk about this particular topic this week? I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Because it's my number one baby's birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, baby. Baby Mender number one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're going to try to avoid using names uh, and, you know, whatever. It's We'll try our best. (laughs) So, Haley, just to jump into it, in general, I think that even if you maybe don't have kids at the moment or whatever else, I think this topic can be really applicable for just a lot of people in the industry. Yeah. First, I just wanted to talk about the fact that you are a badass (laughs) if the listeners didn't already know that. And you, you basically like started a lot, like you started your label like the same year or whatever that you had a kid or there was, it was all kind of mushed together. I just remember you were doing a lot at once and it was like so inspiring as a, you know, person that doesn't do wine (laughs) to really see. So I just wanted to just start out with talking in general about some of your challenges and keys to success that you noted or that you came up with, learned during that time. And I do want to note that you were in, you said your fourth year of winemaking in general um, and your second year of selling wine independently when you had your first kid. Yeah, that's right. So we were, our fourth year of making wine for 3100, my fifth year at Talaya. So I was still working full-time at Talaya. And uh, yeah, we, the best, the the thing that I guess I would say is I, I, everything with my first kid like blended together. So I took my kid to work. I took my work home. I was able to, you know, put the baby down at night and then work for an hour on stuff that I needed to. Um, And then when we had our, well, then when the baby turned like one, you know, or maybe before that, it was a little bit harder to do that. So it became clear that we needed to put some boundaries in place. So when Mm -hmm. I got home, it was, I'm at home, I'm doing home stuff or 3,100 stuff if there was 3,100 things that needed to get done. But for the most part, when the baby was at daycare, uh, we knew that we had to get as much done for our work lives and our uh, 3,100 life as well. So I think that maybe 
depending on, on, it also just depends on your personality and how you operate. I am not a night owl. I'm a morning person. So I couldn't, (laughs) it wasn't conducive for me to try to stay up until one in the morning to get things done every night. I needed to wake up early, get the kid to daycare so that I could have two or three hours blocked Mm -hmm. to work on 3,100 and then go into work or that kind of thing. So, but if you're a night owl and you'd rather, you know, sleep in a little bit in the morning and then stay up late after you put the babies down, like you kind of find what works for you as well. It sounds like you have to be flexible. Also, this (laughs) explains so much because I did not know you were a morning person. Anyway. (laughs) I mean, I like like my sleep. I think I'm more of a a sleep person than a morning or a night owl, but I do, I'm much more um, productive if I wake up and I start working in the mornings. Yeah. And I just wanted to do like a quick like interjection because you as well as I think there is just a lot of really awesome women out there that are winemakers and mothers. So here's a shout out to you all and like the amazing work you did. And I don't know, Haley, if you want to do a particular shout out to maybe some women that inspired you in the industry. I don't know. Do you have some inspirational women? Definitely. (laughs) I've worked actually really really closely with, I hope I don't leave anybody out, but three women winemakers in particular, like working literally next to them, seeing Mm -hmm. them um, either be pregnant or be young mothers while they're also making wine and building their own wine brands. And that would be Carrie Sullivan at Talia Wine Company, Mm -hmm. Melanie Krauss at Cinder, and Leslie Preston at Coiled. So the three of them really, uh, like Melanie was pregnant um, soon after I met her with her second child. And so seeing how she operated as a pregnant person, even though I was, you know, four years from having my own kids, really, I think, was helpful. And then seeing her have really young kids around the industry and how she handled it was also super helpful to see, like, oh, this is possible. This isn't, it's not like this taboo thing. Like, you can have a family wine business and also have kids. It's not a either or. (laughs) Yeah, it really tells me to like knowing people's stories is really important. I know that one of the, when I was working with Vincent, he would uh, talk about one of his fellow winemakers um, over at Day Wine and how like she kind of the same thing was just like juggling, you know, being a single mom and doing, you know, the wine stuff and how like she was so respected. Um, And so it's just, I think it's really important to also know the like winemaker's story and in all of that. So very true. What yeah, what tips and tricks did you maybe learn from some of your mentors? Like as you were observing them, uh going into like, okay, now I'm gonna do and like these are some things I learned from them. And then maybe also that you learned yourself uh while winemaking while pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Or having kids. (laughs) Yes. I'll start with uh, making wine while being pregnant. Uh, The first thing I believe would be don't don't be in a vacuum. (laughs) Um, I think you you might ask something and maybe I'll just uh, preempt it. But um, about your taste buds change while you're pregnant. Yes. 
Yeah, I've um, heard that. You crave different things. Some things taste good that didn't before. Some things taste horrible that you used to like. I, I think it has something to do with all of the like extra blood flow and hormones and things. I would say if you're going to be making wine-making decisions, mm-hmm. don't do that in a vacuum. Make sure you have yeah. a couple other people as a sounding board to make sure that things are up to snuff for what you want to do. I always have Marshall. Yeah, We actually did a Brut Nature uh, rosé, which means we didn't add any dosage to it while I was mm-hmm. pregnant with our first kid. And I don't know that I would have made that decision again. I, I still like the wine. Not that we have, like we have two bottles left or something, but, <laughs> uh, but it's also one of those things of, I don't know if I would have made that decision if I and like pushed really hard for it if I wasn't pregnant and tasting yeah. things differently. So don't taste in a vacuum. The other thing I is, remember you talking about having like you just having to like hand marshal things and have him make decisions about it. I remember yeah. you talking about that when when going through it. And I so, think that's a really good uh, rule in general. Though is mm-hmm. finding a couple people that you trust their palates and always yeah. using them as a sounding board because even if you have a cold or um, you maybe have bad allergies a couple times a year or you had a really spicy dinner a night or two before (laughs) you taste it and you're like, oh shoot, now I'm supposed to be making all these decisions and I'm not really sure if I trust, if I'm tasting all the nuances. So as long as you have a couple people telling, like either reinforcing, yes, this is, this fits Mm -hmm. or "Uh, I think we need to tweak it more. It's always just really nice, whether you're pregnant or not. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing is like, how tired are you? Sometimes as a parent, you're really tired. And so you just start making decisions. And sometimes they might not be the decision you would make if you weren't as tired. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of getting back full circle to your sleep habits of being a person that likes sleep, which I agree with that so much. The other thing that I would say is when you're pregnant regardless of who, like how your mom's pregnancies went, how your friend's pregnancies go and all this stuff, or if you know someone that did X, Y, and Z, listen to your body. If you mm-hmm. go to pick up a six-bottle carrier to hand to someone and you're like, oh, something does not feel right, even though it's not that heavy, just know that and don't pick anything up anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to do that. And most people, when you're pregnant, want to help you take that mm-hmm. help. They they it makes them feel so good if you're trying to haul a case somewhere and they're like, "Can I just carry that for you?" Like yeah. it's gonna that's gonna be the highlight of their hour or whatever <laughs> helping a pregnant person <laughs> haul a case of wine up the stairs or whatever you're doing. Um, I was one of the people that. During my first pregnancy, I made it until like I was eight months pregnant. I didn't stop doing much of anything. And then all of a sudden it was like a switch went off and I like couldn't move. (laughs) I like couldn't bend over. I couldn't lift things just because I wasn't used to this basketball on the front of my body. I do remember pictures or like visiting and just being like, Haley, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, you're you're okay. It works for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's so my second pregnancy, I was lifting and doing things up until the end because I was able to. It just didn't feel the same. Um, Not to say that I was doing... Like I couldn't lift the same amount of weight and things like that, but I was 
able to do more than during my first mm-hmm. pregnancy. So each pregnancy is also very different. So were there any like aha moments or just things that maybe some of the other people talked with you about or, or warned you about going into um, <laughs> and uh, especially maybe the the family side of things? I believe that Earl and Carrie Sullivan were the ones that said, um, basically towards the end of my pregnancy, or maybe it was towards the beginning actually of my first pregnancy, like things are going to be different. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to take time to be at home more and you're going to have to figure out a new balance. So I think that being open and honest with yourself and knowing that what works mm-hmm. the first week you go back to work might not be what works the second week. And so just having that flexibility and also asking a bunch of different people what worked for them. We have a friend that was telling Marshall, oh yeah, I, I always wake up at the, in the middle of the night when the baby starts to cry and needs to be fed. I go and I change the baby's diaper. I bring the baby back to bed and give it to my wife. And then the, my wife breastfeeds. And so Marshall was like, I really want to do that. And we didn't even make it two nights because Marshall literally is such a hard sleeper that I couldn't, I couldn't push him out of bed to get him to get up to go get the baby. So it was just one of those like, you know, so we asked different people what worked for them. And basically what worked for us was in the middle of the night, I would wake up and I'd feed the baby, <laughs> then put the baby back to bed and change the diaper if I needed to. But, um, but yeah, so don't be, don't, don't be afraid if what works for you mm-hmm. isn't what works for other people. It doesn't have to be one and the same. It's not a one size fits all. Uh, all babies are different. I mean, all babies are the same too because they need the same things. But each baby is also very different. Okay, I'm going to throw another curveball at you before <laughs> we get to the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking, and this is going to be a tough question, I think. <laughs> but so I'm just I'm leading you with all the bad stuff. Um, but I was just thinking about being like a woman winemaker, being a mom. Uh, and the difference of that versus being a parent, like a man parent, a, a dad, and like just kind of those role reversals and maybe even like the stress that you put on yourself and just like maybe, I don't know where I'm going with this, Haley, <laughs> but I would just like you to talk about that like kind of difference a little bit more because I think that's important for especially those of us that are not to recognize like, how we can be supporting those like female winemakers in our lives, especially the ones that we see juggling like kids, parents, all that stuff. Yeah. I think that anyone that is a young parent appreciates help. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you're uh, somebody that just pushed a baby out or a partner (laughs) of someone that just pushed a baby out or someone that is adopting someone that, um, is a support person in uh, someone's life that has a young kid. Here's to those grandparents. Yeah. And aunts. Looking at you. Uncles. (laughs) um, But I think that also it's sometimes hard for, uh, in our culture, we're taught like independence and doing things Mm -hmm. on your own is really important. Yeah. But I also want you to think about when you offer help to someone, 
usually you don't just offer it frivolously. Like you're not, you're not going to tell a complete, I shouldn't say complete stranger, a very loosely associated acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Hey, anytime you need to like get in the shower because it's been four mm-hmm. days, I'll come and hold your baby. You're not yeah. going to tell an acquaintance that. You're going to tell a friend that and you're going to mean it. So yeah. if someone offers you help as a young parent or a, a support person from of a young person, yeah. um, don't be afraid to take it and don't feel guilt over taking it. And mm-hmm. also say thank you. But if you're overwhelmed, don't write a thank you note. (laughs) (laughs) I got into this downward spiral of needing to write a thank you note to every single person that did anything nice to me. And finally I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people I didn't thank well enough. And I started apologizing for it. People were like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I... No, I held your baby for two minutes. You don't need to write me a thank you note. I dropped off a freezer meal that I bought at Albertsons for you because I knew that you had a baby a couple weeks ago. You don't need to write me a thank you note. If they're good friends of yours saying thank you instead of writing it is going to be enough. I was just thinking, and it's like a little bit side tangent of 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 uh, what he was saying exactly. But I was thinking about our episode with Vincent and his fun analogies with like being a parent and winemaking, yeah. and how we say like it takes a village to raise a kid, but it also like takes a village, and how like the wine community is so like you know yes. supportive and uh, yeah, and so it's just like one of those additional roles that if you know we're in the industry or industry adjacent, we can definitely, I am hearing you and like yes. offer support where we can um, in ways yeah. that, that make sense. And so. if that's, hey, you're pregnant and I'm coming to your baby shower and you're in the wine industry, here's, I'm not giving you any more baby stuff. Here's six bottles of wine because you're going <laughs> to yeah. need it after nine months <laughs> of sobriety. Like, that's fine too. Like, don't, don't, just because somebody has a kid doesn't mean their entire personality changes. So don't, don't worry about that. That makes me feel better because I'm pretty sure that at one point I might have given you something that was like, this is for you, not the baby. Because let's be <laughs> I honest, do that all the you time. need a gift. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's pivot from that kind of serious note of things <laughs> and like the, uh, I want to hear some funny stories. <laughs> no pressure. But um, maybe to just like, you know, if you have any funny quippy stories off the top of the head, go for it. Or if you'd prefer, I can just jump to my my question about how you deal with babies in the cellar. So <laughs> do you have a good story or do you want me to go to the babies in the cellar? <laughs> that sounds I, funny in itself. The only story that's popping into my head without thinking too hard about it is... Uh, the one of the first, I think, harvests that I worked after we had our first baby, I was there late, and uh, somebody came in to like a shift and change. And he was like six months, four yeah. months at that point. Yeah, he was about six months. Okay. Uh, so I we had like a shift change at that point, and uh, someone came in and they were like, "Oh, you're still here? Like, where's where's your baby?" And I looked at them completely deadpan and was like, oh my gosh, the baby. <laughs> and they looked at me and were like, what? And I said, no, it's 
Marshall has the baby. Like, we figured this out. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Don't worry too much about it. I approve of this. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> uh, so that's the only really like good, funny one I can think of right off the cuff. But I'm sure there have been plenty. Uh we use our equipment. Like we don't have a pack and play at the winery. A lot of people do keep pack and plays, but we didn't mm-hmm. want to buy five pack and plays for all the different places that we might end up. So we don't have a but pack you and play. pack it. Yeah, but... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but so we actually use like a pick bin. So we would just put a pick bin oh. down that was like relatively clean and stick the baby in it once they were crawling. And uh, that was a trick I learned from Earl and Carrie because they had... Uh, when I started working for them, it was the year after they kind of stopped doing that with their youngest because he was getting older and he he could climb out at that point. So nice, nice. I'm sure yeah. you're like putting a blanket and some toys in there oh, and yeah. stuff too. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's uh, I like that. It's like the winemaker's pack and play, not yeah. so packable, but you know, no, um. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not packable. <laughs> um, okay, so you kind of started uh, mentioning that, but like. How how do you deal with the babies in the cellar? Especially, you know, thinking about those first couple months, like you were saying in your funny story um, about <laughs> like, they're kind of like, you know, they're like, you need to be with them a little bit more regularly. So yeah. there's kind of a point when you can't really send them off to daycare. You know, they're just a little too young maybe. Um, and yeah, when is it safe to bring them to work and when is it not? Right. I think that... Um, As a parent, you're going to know instinctively when it's um, not just safe, but when it's practical to bring your kids with you and when you need to ask for help, whether that's from a family member, your uh, parent partner, or a babysitter, basically. Um, And as for safety, though, there are a couple times when it is not safe to have your kids with you at work. And this is in the winery, uh, specifically, uh, or brewery environment or another alcohol-making environment, we do, when we're in an active uh, production phase, you mm-hmm. are producing, yeast produce a lot of CO2 byproduct. And CO2 can affect young people differently, especially if you have a kid who is a lot shorter than you or a baby yeah. who you're wearing or have in a stroller and they're on the floor. CO2 is heavier than oxygen. They're going to be affected by it more. So um, I there I would take my kids to work during harvest, but not all day. It was, you know, like I'm going in to check fermentation and then I'm going home. Um, so maybe if you're making wine, think about not taking your kids into work. Um, okay. The other That's thing, really fascinating. Yeah. The other thing that, uh, you know, for anyone that has a young kid and wants to be able to take them to work, there is a breaking, not a breaking point, a uh, uh, <laughs> point where it <laughs> doesn't make sense anymore when they're not sleeping as much and they're very mobile, like they start to crawl yeah. and things like that. Uh, you just can't get as much work done, whether that's yeah. work on the computer or work uh, elsewhere. So knowing 
like being flexible. Once you get to that mm-hmm. point, you don't necessarily always know when that's going to happen. It happens for different, uh, different at different times for different kids. Mm-hmm. But being able to say, oh, you know what? My productivity plummeted over the last couple of weeks because my kid is now needing more attention because they're growing and they're uh, learning. And the best advice I got actually from another parenting friend was sometimes the best thing you could do for your kids is take them to daycare or or if you have a nanny or nanny share or something like mm-hmm. that because those people's focus is supposed to be 100% on your kids. As a mom, mm-hmm. you're trying to do laundry, you're trying to get dinner ready, you're trying to keep the house clean, you're trying to, like there's 10 other things you're always trying to do. Even if you're focused, and I'm mm-hmm. putting that in air quotes, focused on your kid, you're still doing other things as their parent. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. the best thing you could do for your kid is let somebody else take care of them because that person is supposed to be focused yeah. on your child. And yeah. they might be focused on four kids at once, but still they're focusing on those kids and they're making sure they're happy and healthy and thriving. Um, yeah. In any work environment where there's heavy equipment, I would say any days that the heavy equipment's going to be running, not a good idea to have your kids in. Um, obviously there's a little bit of wiggle room there. And then in the winery specifically or other industries where this is a factor, there's a lot of climbing that happens mm-hmm. on barrels to be able to work with wine. Um, so anytime there's climbing, probably not a great day to like wear your kid in a in a little, you know, <laughs> chest carrier that or a back carrier, like uh, maybe not the safest. OSHA, probably not OSHA approved. <laughs> I hope that I don't get you in trouble by telling this story, but it's my favorite moment <laughs> of like, you know where I'm going, yeah. of when I realized how awesome you were and what a cool mom you were going to be (laughs) or were already. But I came to visit and I was helping you out in the cellar. And yeah, kid number one was not crawling. I don't even think he could roll over yet. And so it was like, and you did this like, okay, well, I'm going to be climbing up. I think you were like topping barrels. I don't know. You were doing something, but you were like climbing all up, all like up onto these big barrel racks and stuff. And I was there and you just like set him down. And then you were like, you're like, he's fine. He's got a toy. He's on his blanket. He's fine. He's in a safe place. And I was like, but, and I remember just sitting there like, as not a parent being like, really? This, what, this what safe. Is safe. I guess it's just another room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to, I'm not a parent, whatever. But I just remember being like, I don't know what to do right now. This is amazing. And you just kept being like, he's fine. He's fine. And he was, he was totally fine. He was happy, smiling, and he was fine. Yeah. But I just remember being like, well, I guess this is how you, you know, you're productive. And you could see him at all points. You just like look down. Yep, he's cool. Yeah. I will say that I did that way more with our first kid than our second because you get that to like, sense. I don't know, I guess you get comfortable with with childcare maybe and also just knowing like, I maybe I was more honest with myself about how much I could actually get done while having <laughs> yeah. someone there. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah, there are also times when, you know, on... Uh, President's Day, if if your daycare is closed, yeah, but you have to go to work, sometimes it's better to go and not be as productive at work, but have your kid with you than to not go at all. So, yeah. 
And ultimately, when they get older, having those life experiences are going to be great for them. So (laughs) you're just molding cool people. (laughs) Another great piece of advice I got was, you might have to shift the way you do things, but don't stop the stuff that you're interested in doing or that you guys uh, enjoy doing. Like camping, a lot of people have kids in the first couple years of those kids' life. They're like, "Uh, we can't camp because we have a baby. And it's like, well... I mean, the baby's going to sleep and eat at home or it's going to yeah. sleep and eat in the dirt yeah. at camping. So uh, I guess it's, it's a little fine. more messy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and each kid is unique and different or whatever. Yes. But I think you got that life lesson, to tell you the truth, from your parents. Because I definitely <laughs> saw that growing up where they would just be like, especially with your brother, like, it's okay. Let's go skiing. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I, I will... Yeah, I I always admired that about your parents and how they just yeah kept kept things going. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm gonna start wrapping it up a little bit. But what practical tips do you have for working moms? Um, other than you know some of the things you've already mentioned, right? Um, the thing that I wanted to say in this uh, like kind of wrap up is um, if you're gonna be pumping or breastfeeding, set alarms. Mm. read a ton and be Mm. kind to yourself. (laughs) Pumping and breastfeeding are not easy. There's some people that like it comes naturally to them, but that doesn't mean that it's easy either. Um, And then there's other people that it doesn't come naturally to and it's really hard. And if for some reason you have trouble breastfeeding, don't kick yourself. Like we live in an amazing time where uh, you can get all of the nutrition that your kid needs through a formula. Like that's, it's, that has not been the case historically. And so we're Mm -hmm. so lucky that we live in a time like that. So be kind to yourself because you're already going through a crazy experience of becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you need to do is be like, I'm so horrible because I can't, I'm not, you know, producing enough breast milk or I, it's hard for me and everything hurts. And like, just take a breath and (laughs) don't worry too much about it because uh, you have a great network and reach out to people that you know have done it and see what worked for them. Try the different things. Like we said earlier, like whatever worked for your best friend might not work for you, but you might learn something in uh, talking to them about that. But as far as pumping goes, if you're going to be in the wine industry and uh, especially during like harvest time where you just are going, going, going all day long, set alarms don't skip a pumping <laughs> okay so i was going to ask it. what are the alarms for to like stop to get back to work or to know no, that to you go need to, to do yeah set okay. alarms that are like hey it's 11 your kid usually eats at 11 you need to go yeah. pump <laughs> and that's like the key takeaway is like you're pumping to feed your child at those times that you can't necessarily be, be with them taking that time to feed them and that's how you're able to work and, and on a physical level you're going to be able to work better after you stop for 15 to 20 minutes to pump and mm-hmm. on an emotional level you definitely are going to be more able to participate at work if you stop and take a break to pump And if you have any concerns about like, oh, I don't think I can take a break to pump, reach out to your HR department or someone locally that is an HR expert because you do have that ability. And if if, uh, you're in an environment where someone is not allowing you to do that, that's 
not okay. Empower yourself. Yes, I love it. Okay, so anything that we didn't cover that you want to uh, bring up for? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> or, uh, to no, just empower like, us all <laughs> yeah. how we can support you if we are not. Take help. <laughs> when people offer it, take it because they're doing it from a genuine place. And mm-hmm. be open to figuring out what will work. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, with that, Haley, do you want to wrap it up? I will. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, This one was a little different this week, but I think that it's kind of important. And if you uh, haven't yet, remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And always feel free to write in any questions at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Look forward to tuning in with you next week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.